Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these. Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me in this, well, actually, he's not joining me in this hot, nasty, sweaty car again. It is Zach Bartles. <laughs> Zach, what's going on, man? Dude, I am just hoping that when you rolled those windows up again for the uh, <laughs> the second time in as many weeks for the program, that this time we'll have something to show for it at the end of the day. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully this time uh, you're doing all the recording on your end. So hopefully, uh, like you said, we'll get something. Uh, and Zach, can I just say, I don't care how good or bad it is. As long as we get something and we record it and we air it, uh, it will in some way not make this worth it at all. But at least we'll have something up. So, Yeah, and it, well, I, I think people need to know your situation. You're in your car, your windows are up, and your your AC is on the blink. So you've got... Yeah. It reminds me, when we were kids, dude, when you were in, like, like the era of car that had, like, the the GM uh, on the, like logo on the button, on the metal seatbelt, yes. you know what I'm talking about? Like, there would yes. be an option for AC, heat, and then just vent. Remember that? Yes. So that's yes. what you're doing. You're doing vent. I'm doing vent. <laughs> how, what, what is the temperature there, i.e., how hot is the air that you're blowing in on yourself? So the air outside of the car, uh, well, thankfully right now I'm actually driving in the tunnel. So the tunnel is a little cooler. Uh, the air outside the vehicle is uh, over 100 degrees. Uh, I would say what's being blown at me right now is close to 95 or 96 degrees. Um, so it is just enough to take a little bit of the edge off. And uh, we'll we'll see how it works. Dude, I walked in the door. I was I was coming from a funeral. I popped in. I was like, all right, I got to get ready to podcast. And I looked at the thermostat. And I said, what the heck is going on here? Seventy three. And I pushed down twice. I was like, what are we animals here? I can't deal with seventy three. I can deal with negative luxury. Better than that, yeah. Luxury. All right, man. Have now, you have you ever seen that uh, for Yorkshire men sketch? From Monty Python, I don't think so, dude. You you've got to YouTube that that thing. It is miracle. It's these you know upper crust older men recounting their childhood, and you know I used to walk in the snow both ways uphill, and they're all out doing each other. And one of them, you know, he lays down this really intense, like you know, growing up experience where. You know, he was beat five times a day before he was sent out to work and then he had to go to school and then come back home. And, you know, and so he's recounting all these things and the guy just looks at him and says, luxury. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have I think that might have died with our generation. I have no stories. I mean, we have to like super sarcastic, like you wouldn't believe what we had to do to look something up when we were kids or like. We didn't have the internet in our pockets, but I mean, like, I don't know. We, there's, there's no like uphill both ways. You know, right. toes are frozen, and my, my hands are scalding from the hot potato I had to carry, and like all that stuff. And right. I, I feel like uh, we'd rather just sort of um, try and make our kids have a better life and not make them feel bad about it. But yeah, that's, that's me anyway. I don't know. <laughs> I won't make you feel guilty about how good you have it. Unless you complain. If a kid right, complains, right. dude, if, oh a kid, if, a, if my kid says I'm bored during the summer, he immediately like closes his eyes, like recoiling, like, oh, crap, I should not have said that because there is a long speech coming. I've just sealed my doom. That, that's one that uh, I cannot, I cannot suffer. Uh, I'm yeah. bored, and I, and I and I go, oh my goodness, I would be too. I mean, what could you possibly do? And then I just start running him. And, and if I say, you know, you have to get off your, your screens for an hour, yeah, this, this kid will be like, well, I don't know what to do, and he'll just kind of like, he'll kind of like wander around, like looking morose. And I used to be like, listen, man, you could do this, you could do this. Now I just let him waste his time. And I feel like that has worked. He's like, oh, crap, there is a lot of fun stuff I could do outside. I do have friends that live on the street. I do have, you know, Transformers and Legos and, you know, everything else. So (laughs) Beyblades, 17,000 Beyblades. Oh, my gosh. 
Dude, man, look, my nuts. kid's learning like physics from those. It's no joke. He was explaining oh, to me like it. the oh. centrifugal force that made like these barbs come out from this, and and then when it like slowed to this many RPMs, they went back in, and that increased the strength of the spin and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know if that's right, but you sound smart. <laughs> Probably right. I don't know. He's just got to adopt a British accent, and then no one will ever question him. <laughs> I, th- I think they would question as to why he had a British accent. But... <laughs> Dude, my kid was doing a British accent at, like, four. <laughs> he, if anybody, like, said anything about something being fancy or something, he'd bounce on with the, with the British accent. It was hilarious. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. So I got to tell you, man, Dude. I haven't I haven't had a chance to listen to the uh, Spider-Man uh what was that like a double? What do you call that kind of crossover? I guess where you yeah, were, it probably was in our feed and it was in their feed and it was in both feeds. Um, yep. Is there yep. anything left to say about Spider Man, or did you guys say it all? I saw it twice now. Uh, so you know what I would uh, I would say go ahead and give us your thoughts, Zach, because I briefly interjected some of yours in there. Nathan thought it was good, but he didn't think it was great. So really? now now I should have listened to it. I already done. Here's the thing, man. My phone. My, my, I went to download a bunch of stuff when I was up north with Ted, and yep. uh, my phone wouldn't download anything. And I determined a few days later that, for some reason, my little SD card yep. had decided it was write-protected. And I whatever I did would not make that – so I had to throw it away and get a new one. So anyway, that's my excuse. Oh, crazy. Uh, what, was, what was his beef with it? Like, what didn't he like? Um he just he thought it was good, but not as good as the first one. Yeah, you know, true. his thoughts were his thoughts were that um, with with it coming right after Avengers Endgame and how iconic that was. You know, like any, I mean, and he was honest. He was like, you know, basically anything that came after that was going to have difficulty measuring up. But he did say that out of all the sequels from Marvel, he thought it was the best. Dude, here's an so unpopular he... opinion. Okay. I, I would rather watch uh, Far From Home than Endgame any day. I doubt I'll ever see Endgame again. Interesting. Now, see, and I told him, because you remember when he was on with us, you and I were actually more... Uh, I mean, this is the thing. When I say I'm like more against Endgame, like I thought it was a good movie, people. Stop ripping on me for thinking it was a lousy movie. I thought it was a good movie. I thought that there were other movies that were better one to close all these things out. I, hey, buddy. They had some issues. I need you to say that last thing again. I got yeah. nothing. I got tunnel voice from you. <laughs> so what I said was I thought Endgame was a good movie. I thought for it ending off this series, it could have been better. Before okay. entering the next phase of Marvel, I thought that it could have been better. And I thought that the the things that Spider-Man did, in my opinion, uh, I thought were really good, where I wish Endgame hadn't done that. So, like, basically, Endgame, particularly at the end, it was all about Tony Stark. Spider-Man actually even had a little tribute in there to the other Avengers who died. Um, and and I thought it was weird that it took Spider-Man to do that. <laughs> uh, and Endgame didn't end up doing that, you know? So That intro was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Where it started yeah. with I've always loved you and then and like the, the the image of vision was like really like pixelated and crappy. Yeah. And then and then there was the thing that still had like the Getty Images watermark on it. Yes. I was dying. <laughs> that was such a great beginning. Dude, that, that new character that was dating Ned. Oh my god. Hilarious. Goodness. She was great. Yes. And, and that whole, whole story arc yes. was perfect. I would have rather probably just watched like a Peter Parker movie. Than the Spider-Man yeah. movie at that point, it was, <laughs> and, and the MJ Peter thing was just—it was great. The whole thing was great. It was a—it was yeah. a. I mean, you and I probably had a half an hour discussion about how great it was, uh, in between yes. the two podcasts last time. Um, yep. <laughs> but there's probably not a ton more to say. I—I I really don't know what more. If if the beef was it felt too small after Endgame, that was what I liked about it. And, yeah. I, and yet, at yeah. the same time, it wasn't just like, you know, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man vibe. He's, you know, globe-trotting. They're going all across Europe. We're seeing all these huge 
amazing set pieces. We're moving into this virtual reality world that's indiscernible from the real world. And yeah. you know, if you're if you're locked in it, it it was really really it delivered is what it did. It it yeah. I can't think of a Marvel movie that I would have been other than the first Iron Man and maybe the first Guardians of the Galaxy that would have been a better follow up to Endgame. Yeah. Or or, yeah. or Winter Soldier. I mean, either, none of those would have made sense because right. <laughs> they take place before. But like that quality <laughs> right. of movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Like the whole high school feel. I actually. I thought this did that whole high school summer feel like the relationships and the connectivity of the characters and the students. I actually thought it was better in this one than they did in the first one. Like I actually felt like I was watching a group of teenagers hanging out in the first one. Um, I didn't get that vibe as much. Um, so that, I mean, that was kind of my thought. I kind of thought that they were going to have, um, MJ have not blipped. Oh yeah, and be five years older. Uh, I'm kind of glad they didn't, but it was quite a quite a coincidence that all of our major characters <laughs> from from Homecoming, including right. Flash Thompson and uh, you know MJ Ned, who I always want to call Ganky because they ganked Ganky's character from yeah. the Miles Morales comics. <laughs> like everybody happened to not, but I did like that character. The the there, there was something definitively relatable. I don't know why it felt relatable to me, because obviously I've never blipped. Or, but, but the way that all of a sudden that young kid was yes. like talking down to him and like a threat with his girl and everything. There was something about like coming back from summer break and like yeah. occasionally like the littlest guy would all he'd have just like shot up and his voice was yes. lower and his muscles yes. were more defined than yours. And you're like, what? Why doesn't that happen to me right now? <laughs> the whole thing was awesome. And and I feel like the one thing that this Spider-Man franchise has, not only on all the other movies, um, the I'm Pooping one with Tobey Maguire, those three movies, three? Yeah, three <laughs> movies, the two yeah. with Andrew Garfield, um, is, and over the comics, is the way that they kind of justify all the over-the-top stuff with Tony Stark. Yes. Uh, like, the, real, the reason that the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man has organic web shooters is because mm -hmm. Sam Raimi, who, by the way, just bought a house right right up near where uh, Ted and I were staying in northern Michigan on, on the Lake Huron uh, Lakeshore where, where I grew up. Um, oh, really? Yeah, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, but, like, Sam Raimi said, I can't, in a story, I, I can do a lot of wild stuff, but there's no way to explain how this kid could come up with this, this substance that 3M couldn't come up with, you know? Like... <laughs> he's he's not that big a genius and yeah. and so he made it just like and which made sense it's part of the mutation um right i guess my assumption here is maybe he had a, a certain formula that worked pretty well and then tony like tweaked it and that's why it works really well now like any, yeah. anything unbelievable you go okay well he's got all the billions of dollars worth of tech behind him right and, and well, I, go ahead I was just going to say, and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man doesn't live in a world with Iron Man and all this crazy right. tech and innovations and inventions where where Peter Parker does. I mean, you know, he's like, in theory, I guess, like eight years old when the Battle of New York happens or I mean, I guess younger than that um, when the Battle of New York happens. And so he's got all of these ideas and plans and blueprints to build off of to help him in his tech designs. Right, yeah, okay, so maybe he, maybe they should have showed him a la Vulture. Like, maybe maybe when Vulture was recovering some of that alien tech, we could have had, you know, Peter pick something up or something, I don't know, there, something to give him the advantage. But anyway, I, I felt like the whole thing was great, and yeah, uh, I, I went and saw it twice, and I will definitely get that one on Blu-ray when it comes out, because I'm still a physical media guy. Yes, yes, I am as well. All my all my movies I uh, I get, and then my brother, my older brother, has actually taken all of his stuff and gone completely digital. So he doesn't go out and really buy anything anymore unless it's digital. So I give him the digital download code, and then he gives me his uh, iTunes account, and so we just hook each other up with media content. Dude, you know what pisses me off is when you buy like a slightly older movie 
and it says like yeah. DVD, Blu-ray, digital, and then the digital code the is like, oh, expired. this doesn't work anymore. I'm like, dude, yeah. uh, I paid for it. Yeah, yeah, that makes me angry. Yeah, I, I agree. I've actually noticed in some of them, they've been taking out those expiration dates. Uh, but yeah, there there is. You're right. You go in occasionally and you're pulling it out and it's like, come on. <laughs> I, uh, give me a DVD any day, man. I I would much rather put a disc in a player, and, and I don't care what anyone says, it is higher quality. When you're watching on yeah. Netflix, and we have like the super fast fiber optic internet, uh, our yeah. router is probably a little bit outdated, so maybe that's you know clogging up the works. But like when I'm watching Netflix, I can see in the background like like you know like if if you the background is a darker colored wall. It's yes. blocky, you know. There's like four or five yes. different blues, and that's it. It's it's there's it's not smooth. It's it's distracting, and when yes. you put a Blu-ray in, it looks like a moving 35 millimeter photograph at whatever size your TV is. Uh, yeah, I'll take yeah. that, please, and thank you. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of alien tech, man. Maybe uh, that's a little segue for us. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, man. So I, uh, I've i been on Facebook recently, and I just I started looking at uh, all these memes popping up about Area 51. <laughs> and, oh, my goodness. They're, like, I had no clue what they were about, but they were hysterical. So I started kind of going back and trying to figure out, like, what what is the background with all of this and what's going on? Um, and near as I can tell, and uh, Zach, if you've checked this out, correct me if I'm wrong, a guy just put up for a joke a, hey, we're going to do an Area 51 raid. Yeah. And people started, like, actually coming up with dates and a time. <laughs> and then all these, like, memes started popping up about, like, people going to visit Area 51 and getting their aliens and bringing them home. And people the started choosing. <laughs> People started choosing the day they were going to die, in other words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the government put out basically a post to this, like, Area 51 is a military installation, and we will guard it at any means necessary. We, and, of course, yeah. that just spawned, like, a whole new set of memes and things like that out there. What's the best uh, one you've seen, man? Oh, it was uh, it was one... Did you ever see the movie uh, Hot Fuzz? Oh, yeah. So... It's one with uh, with the the bigger guy in there, and it says, Nick Frost. Uh, oh, "Yeah, Nick Frost." It says only thirteen people showed up to Area Fifty One, and you see him loading his shotgun, and underneath, shame. <laughs> I, I saw one on the uh, Dunder Mifflin Theological Seminary Facebook group, uh, uh-huh. which, along with our uh, these go to eleven Facebook group, is the whole reason I get on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> it, it had a picture of. Uh, Jim, Dwight, and Michael with the fake mustaches on, and it was a, an event, uh, like a, a Facebook event you could sign up for, and it yep. said, "Burn Utica, burn Utica to the ground while everyone is busy at Area 51." Oh, <laughs> uh, nice, nice. So, what do, I mean, what do you think about that? Like the whole like blowing up. I mean, do you think like this is do you think some people are seriously going to like join in on this thing and try to get in there? Or do you think this is like run its course as a joke? Someone will, people will 1.5 million people have signed up and some of them have nothing better to do. That's just a fact. So people will be there. I don't think they're going to, they're going to get cut down with chain guns or anything. I, I know the government is savvier than that. And I think they'll they'll, Use some kind of non-lethal, like, sound blasting or, or something. I think it'll be very uncomfortable, and I think people are going to be prosecuted. Yeah. Uh, can I confess something kind of weird to you? Sure. Whenever I read about, like, uh, Freedom of Information Act or declassify everything or open up and tell us everything that happened related to the supposed alien crashes or the Kennedy assassination or whatever... I don't get excited. I, I feel really annoyed. And I yeah. think it's, I mean, it's not that I'm like on the side of big brother. I'm not, you know, the rich and powerful elite that, that benefit. I think it's just right. that 
it it's robs a little more of the kind of <coughs> excuse me the kind of like mystery and the the sort of excitement of of our culture if if yeah. all of the mysteries are neutralized that's right. not as fun anymore like if there's still a chance they faked that moon landing i mean obviously they didn't but right. if there's still a chance they're they're little green men in capsules you know and and i don't know to me I I like the the unknown of it. I like the secrecy of it. I do like yeah. thinking our government is keeping an awful lot of secrets from everyone because right. they're a government and and right. you know like I I don't like I, I don't connect on any level with even the ethos the impulse to say they can't kill all of us. We're gonna charge in there. And here's the thing: if even if there is like an underground facility. Yeah, okay, they yeah. can't kill us all. We'll all go right up to the, like, reinforced 8-inch or 3-foot thick steel door that requires right. retinal scans, and then we'll stand there in the desert until we all get so thirsty we have to go back home. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? You're, you can't get in. You can't, like, push in. Right. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Are you are you a real, like, freedom of information, like, uh, let all the people know everything guy or, or what? I would say a moderate when it comes to that stuff. I think, I think to a certain extent, there are things that, um, that we should be made aware of and we should be told uncompromisingly. Like the fact of the matter is, you know what, if, if the government is recording every single thing that we say and do, just tell me, like, there's, there's nothing that I'm (laughs) going to, you know, like, I really don't care. Um, it's really not going to change what I do and say, but, you know, just tell me that you're doing this. Um, and in fact, I think if you tell me you're doing this, that might me that might make me feel a little safer that you're actually monitoring all these different conversations and things like that. You know, um, but I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think the government has an obligation to spill all of its secrets to the people. And I think, you know, I mean, we live in the digital age of okay, so the government's going to spill all of its secrets to us. And then all of the countries around the world are going to be listening in on those things yes, as well. Exactly. You know, um, we, we are still a nation. We are still governed by borders and boundaries and laws. Um, and, and, you know, in the event of some kind of attack, we still do want to retain a modicum of secrecy and the element uh, of know, surprise. Whether, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm. You know, I think there are certain things, like I said, that I'm like, just, you know, tell us what's going on. But a lot of other things, it's like, no, I don't think we need to know all of the things that are going on. Um, And I don't think the government has an obligation to tell us all those things either. Dude, do you listen to a podcast called uh, Radio Lab? It's also an NPR show. Uh, No, but I've heard of it. Oh, you would like it. It's really, really good. Uh, But you should uh, check out. They have one. Um, I mean, I can't remember exactly what it was called. It was the the term uh, based on the either the case or the lawyer who came up with the the phrase. But it was all about the initial um, secret that someone had uh, filed the Freedom of Information Act to unlock and release. And how they were like, how do we not break the law, but not break our duty to the CIA, like our sworn like vow that we took to protect our secrets. And, and do what we do. And they came up with that, um, I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh. The ex- it, was, it was a sub that had sunk, a Russian sub. And we yep. had uh, located it and tried to get inside and, and all this stuff. And it was, I can neither confirm nor deny, which has become it's like this whole thing um, that people parody and parrot and, and stuff. But in the 60s or 70s, whenever this happened, it was, yep. that was brand new. And... I don't know. I think that, yeah, like you say, there, there needs to be a lot of stuff that if you throw it out there and say, here, everyone can know, that puts us at a distinct disadvantage to people yes. who can kind of keep their stuff together and keep it secret. Like, we don't even know exactly who has nukes. If we yeah. not only say, yeah, we have, I mean, everyone knows we have them, but we say, this is how many and this is exactly where they are. Oh, and if you right. file a request, I'll tell you exactly how we made them, like the process. I mean, where do you draw the line? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't get, I, I, I get the reaction to like the really big government. Like I don't, I get the, the, 
the bitterness and resentment of you're doing all this. I'm supposed to be the government. It's of the people, by the people, for the people. But of the people, by the people, and for the people doesn't mean every single one of the people is involved in every single aspect of the government. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. I think, um, yeah. Yeah, I think some people are, you know, I mean, I think like it, it's with like anything. There are people out there, you know, who have a well-balanced thought and idea of what the government should be doing. Then there are people who are to the extreme of, uh, we don't need to know anything. We just need to trust our government that they have our best interests at heart. And, you know, uh, they're going to make all the rules that are going to benefit everyone and benefit humanity. Um, and then there are the ones that are like government who needs government, um, you know, yeah, kind of are, the judge dread. I am the, people, the law type thing. Anyone who says like, oh yeah, I'm an anarchist. Anytime I've encountered yeah. that, I, I look the person up and down and I say, you better hope you don't get what you're wishing for. <laughs> Because they're right. always like the scrawniest, <laughs> weakest people. It's like you would you would be someone's slave in like ten minutes if there were anarchy. What do you what do you mean you're an anarchist? You, yeah. And you better not say you're a Christian and an anarchist because that doesn't jibe at all. Right. Yeah. I mean the reality is is it just, you know, the type of, you know, person who thinks there should be no government. I mean you know, really doesn't fully understand what that means and what that equates to. Um, you know, let me ask you something about that, not to go too far off track, but like I've often thought about like the type of person who thinks that you can get away without having any type of a government. Do you think they're just exceptionally naive about the nature of people or do you think they are uh, truly uh evil themselves i mean we're all obviously truly evil um apart from christ but do you think they they're like more devious and like oh i could get away with a lot more stuff if the government wasn't around that's an interesting question like the pop culture version is anarchists just don't want to be punished for their actions whereas i i think most of the time when i run into people who tend toward that way um there yeah it's more like we'd do a better job without the few controlling the many and the inside of a human's heart is good enough you know we, we don't need we don't need no stinking laws and oversight <laughs> yeah. yeah which is i mean I, I don't know how you find your way into your pants in the morning if that's where your your mind is i mean it's just crazy yeah yeah i mean it doesn't take much to open up the newspaper, turn on the news and find out that that's, you know, the, the state that uh, humanity is in and, and sin nature, you know, just how far we've fallen into sin nature. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't really get that aspect of it either. So but um, yeah, so but anyway, I have been enjoying the uh, the Area 51 memes. Uh, they have been uh, entertaining. And so. I what I really want is I want for the people who are seriously looking to bum rush Area 51, I want the periphery group of people who are uh, there with their cell phones recording the whole thing. That's what I really want to see is is <laughs> the the outcome of all that. It, well, I really hope people don't get hurt because I think it's one of those situations where a lot of people are thinking of it as a game. Uh, because yeah. the idea of aliens, you know, crash landing is goofy. The idea of a whole bunch of people being there makes it feel safe, right? Yeah. Like, wait a minute, they can't. That, that's the whole they can't like kill us all thing. But right, I I really have a lot. I, I, when I think about it, it's like it's funny until you think about an individual who gets sure. it over their head. They think it's funny. They get there, have a horrible realization at just the moment where it becomes too late. Yeah. That they've done something very foolish, and now they're going to pay the consequences. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if anybody asked me, should I do this? I wouldn't say, well, you know, it's your... I would say, don't. Don't do, do it. Do not. Yeah. There's no... Yeah. What's the possible upside? You're not seeing aliens. Best case right. scenario, you have a cool story to tell. Admittedly, it would be a very cool story to tell. Right. But, I mean, find a different cool story to tell. Right. That, right. That's not the same as 1.5 million other people, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it. Yeah. What, what if there are aliens, though, Nathan? Do you think that negates the Bible? There's a discussion question. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've had that discussion with my uh, with my students before um, on multiple levels, you know. And uh, this is what I always say, because Louis Giglio made a really good argument. Um, Giggs. About the, you know, and, and it was just kind of in passing. And he said, you know, yeah, maybe there could be aliens. But here's the thing. Our view of of are there other aliens out there is looking at the universe and looking at the grandness of the universe and saying, you know, man, this is so huge. There can't possibly be any other. Uh, th- there has to be until other intelligent life out there. I mean, it's just so massive, the probability of it. And, he, and what he said was, you know, flip your perspective and look at it through God's eye. The universe might be huge and expansive to us, but from God's perspective, it's really not. It's it is what it is. And so, you know, when you when you start kind of flipping your mindset. So I would always tell students, you know, is it possible? Yes, because in order to say it's not possible or impossible, I would have to be God. Uh, I am obviously not him. I do not know. Um and so I would say it's possible. Do I think it is likely? No, I don't. Um, and part of it is for that reason. Now, if I die and, you know, I'm, I'm standing face to face, you know, with our creator and master and he reveals that there are other there's other intelligent life out there. Am I going to be so, you know, shock faced and oh, my goodness, I can't. Believe, no, absolutely not. I, you know, um, he's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. And. Um, I, I think that's one of the things that I really like and appreciate about um, like C.S. Lewis's writings is he leaves the idea of the supposal in the imagination. You know, uh, what if God did do these things? You know, what would it look like? And and I enjoy pondering those things. I enjoy imagining those things and thinking about those things. Um, what about you? Is that something that would totally rock your world? Well. I have two responses. The first is, I know these two guys who actually encountered God in the heavens, in in the third heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were there to meet the most brilliant scientist in the universe. Yeah. Turned out to be an alien, but was actually two aliens that would then run really fast into each other and turn into one alien. Dude, you've never seen Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? It's been years. What are your life choices? It's been years. (laughs) Actually, the one I'm more familiar with is their excellent adventure. Station. That's Station I'm describing. (laughs) He has a really long butt. Hilarious. But my... All right, Zach. Our our next podcast, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna sit down and we're gonna watch it together and we're gonna podcast it. I love it. Let's do it. Let's MST3K this sucker. Only it's not a bad movie. It's a great movie. Ends with this epic uh, uh, performance of God gave rock and roll to you. It's amazing. Um, but but then the other thing is uh, that I can't really discuss it other than that kind of sarcastic way because. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever been driving down the street and you see someone like on public property or in their own front yard doing mm-hmm. Tai Chi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get so embarrassed for them that you literally want to die? <laughs> That's exactly how I feel when I hear people discussing whether or not there might be aliens and how <laughs> God would view that, you know, and like getting theological about it. I'm like, nah, I'm so embarrassed for you. Stop. <laughs> and and this might be my own issue because I get a similar kind of feel when people get too like weirdly over familiar and goofy about like talking about heaven must be like. Mm, um, it's yeah. not that I'm embarrassed of the idea of heaven. It's that I when I hear people talk about it in a way that sounds, I mean, childlike is good with faith, but sounds like I don't know, um, too corny, too too after school special. And not reverential mm-hmm. enough, I get, mm-hmm. I get like really weirdly embarrassed on their behalf, and, mm-hmm. and and I think it's just like there is something fun about saying we're gonna make a story, we're gonna make a movie, we're gonna write a novel. It's gonna explore what's one possibility of what might it be like on the other side of death, or on the other side of the the universe, or in this fantastical world that doesn't exist. We're gonna we're gonna write the rules. But all the like 
um, like corny speculation about mm-hmm. what heaven might be like, um, what might lie. I, I don't know. There's something. There's something I just don't respect about it, and I I don't know where it comes from. And I and I know <clears throat> it's probably it's not you, it's me. Uh, but but there it is. <laughs> Like it's not you, it's me, but it's really you. Yeah, well, it might be. I don't know. It it all depends on uh, whether it's rooted in a like I, I'm more I'm more highly re- revering God and His revelation and not wanting to go beyond it, or maybe it's that I am a little bit embarrassed about uh, the possible ramifications of. But that can't be it because it's it's the same feeling whether I'm surrounded by all believers or there are unbelievers mm-hmm. present. It's not like I'm like, no, oh, don't. They're going to hear us and think we're dumb. Mm-hmm. I, I get like when I'm doing a funeral and, and, and like I had a guy say, uh, you know, I, I just I know he's up in heaven riding his Harley with the wind blowing through his hair with his Guns N' Roses T-shirt on right now. And like, I mean, that's. Probably bad theology, to, definitely bad theology right now. I mean, the new earth is yet to be created, but like, right. I don't know, just like that kind of equating the actual hope that we have mm-hmm. with some corny thing you just came up with. Mm-hmm. And, and for, I don't know why, but for some reason, the whole alien thing kind of is in the same wheelhouse in my mind, the same ballpark, on the very far edge of the ballpark, but in this, I get the same kind of sense yeah. of, of shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> i don't know and, and and i mean i if if there are aliens i i would love to to be the like the one guy who could go down and look at what's in area 51 sure mm-hmm. i'm a curious person but yeah i, I don't know I, I don't even know what i'm saying at this point have i contradicted <laughs> myself two or three times over probably uh if anybody relates to this if anyone can put a face on this or say, yes, I have the same thing, or I, I identified the source of it, please, please comment on the uh, discussion group. Discussion group, yeah. And yeah, let absolutely. me know what's up. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting uh, listening to you talk about things like that because um, I, I enjoy the speculation about heaven to a certain extent. Um, I think... I think most of it is uh, really, I, I don't know what the right word is. Um, uh, it, it's stereotypical uh, for a lot of things, and it's not necessarily biblically based and rooted. I mean, when you look at what scripture says about, um, you know, the new heavens and the new earth and everything that's going to be, um, you know, put right again, um it's there's not a whole lot said, you know, I start, I start cringing when people start holding up books and stories about people who have died and gone to heaven. Oh and yeah. They start holding these things up right next to the Bible saying, well, it's, it's true because this person saw it and this is what, you know, the Bible says about it. And it's like, look, you know, we have Paul in the Bible talking about someone he knew uh, who, you know, went up to, or it was him, right? He went up to the third heaven. Had That's a vision. what we think. Oh. Yeah. That, that it was probably and, him talking about himself. And, and he says nothing about it. This is under the authority of scripture. If, if, you know, there, there's any doubt about the inspiration of the Holy spirit and what God has to say on the subject, we, we get nothing on it in, in this, uh, vision or experience, whatever he had, what, however he encountered it, we get nothing. And yeah. so I, I'm sorry, I'm not about to like, you know, go out and promote a book that, you know, some five-year-old wrote under the coercion of his father uh, to, you know, make all this stuff up. And No, I mean, you know, I, I am content to ponder these things, to uh, leave up to my imagination within the realm of what I think uh a my relationship with christ will look like and and kind of try to picture that um i have no issue uh guiding students and telling them you know this is what i think obviously i don't know but this is kind of my thoughts on it Uh, i have no problem doing that but ultimately saying anything that we have 
that could have been concrete wasn't given to us. And so we need to just, going back to Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things of God, yeah. that there are things that God has not revealed to us, and we need to be okay with that and just say, you know what, when it's time, it's time, and, and he will reveal it to us in time. Or not. Who knows? Right. <laughs> now, <laughs> he may keep state secrets as well, and so you, I, right. I don't know that God has a Freedom of Information Act. Uh, I, I have to say, the thing I think that ties these two things together is that when you bring up like the Malarkey book and stuff, I really mm-hmm. do put in my mind, uh, I went to heaven and here's what heaven is like that goes way beyond scripture. And mm-hmm. I was um, uh, abducted by aliens and here's how they probed me. I put those stories in the same category in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they're not true, but they're probably you. I mean, like one of them is probably a dream and some weird, bad, you know, uh, whatever uh, Indian food or something you had right. the night before. And one of them may be, you know, the effects of the drugs uh, as you were lying on the table in the operating room and the light. I don't know. It's not impossible, but right. but I don't need for it to be true. That's for you if it's true. It's not for me. Right. So right. so you don't need, and it's certainly not for your enormous bank account. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is that is the difference. And that is critical, you know, that I have heard um, many godly men and women talk about experiences that they've had with encountering the person of Jesus. And it's it's never sensationalized. It's just very matter of fact. And it's like there there's never really these huge descriptions. We talked about this uh, last week, you know, with the, the way that different people encounter and come to Christ. Um, and in the Middle East, it, it is often tied to these visions of Christ. But it's never like this sensationalized, you know, oh, I'm going to write a bestseller on this. Or, you know, it, it's always just, this is my story. And take it as you will, but, but that's what it is. And I really appreciate those types of things. Because there is the understanding that it, it was revealed to me, not to you. And so I'm not going to expect you to believe me. Um, so. Hey, man, did you, and this is not anything we talked about, but but talking mm-hmm. about m- malarkey and uh, supposed uh, visions, extra biblical mm-hmm. information and words given by God. Have you Have you seen this recent Bethel thing? Uh, I saw the article. I didn't have a chance to click on it. Why don't you give me the quick uh, download on it? Well, here's the thing. It's it's from Reformation Charlotte, which a lot of people don't realize is basically pulpit and pen. So grains mm-hmm. of salt all around. I usually, if I see something where I'm like, oh, interesting, I will click over there while kind of uh, digging my heel into my other calf by way of penitence. Uh, for giving yeah. them another click, and then I will open the, only the original source and not read any other vitriol, which is what uh, I did here. And, and I don't know if they put it up or if someone else did or or if Bethel themselves did, but it had a ton of context. And okay. as you watched it and the context unfolded after the comment, it got less and less problematic, but it doesn't matter. It's still blasphemy, I think. This guy, yeah. this youth pastor, was telling a group of kids um, that he had been – wronged by a pastor he said it was just words that were said to him there was no physical abuse or or anything like that sexual abuse or anything it was just that he was some jerky stuff was said to him and Mm. it almost made him uh bail on church but it didn't and then he said here in this sanctuary i laid down on the ground one night and i was bawling and and i had a vision of christ and he picked me up and he held me close to him and i'm watching this i'm going okay i wonder if this is what these these mean guys have an issue with like the idea they're going to be like, that's gay or something. Like I could see that Um, Mm -hmm. Jesus holding me close to his chest. I'm actually getting a little emotional as I'm listening to it. I'm like, I know that feeling, man. I need that a lot. Uh, And and John, by the way, needed it too. And Jesus was like, come here and, and, and lean on me. Um, (laughs) But uh, so he says, Jesus held me close to his chest and he said to me, forgive me. No. And I was like, what am I looking at? And all of a sudden, like the little like, oh, that's touching went away in a heartbeat. And I had a real and I don't put a ton of stock in this. This is just my own visceral reaction. I, like, you know, when you hear someone say something really blasphemous. Yeah. You you have a real bodily reaction. I, I like 
I recoiled. And yeah. and uh, and he goes on to say, you know, that Jesus Jesus said. Um, because when that pastor did that, it was like I was doing it. And then he goes on to say, that might not sound right to you, but remember, Jesus didn't sin, and he took the punishment and the blame for all of our sins on his shoulders, and it's no different from that. He's taking the blame um, for this pastor's sin and and saying, forgive me, because the pastor's never actually going to say, forgive me. I feel like he almost knew he was in a hole and was trying to kind of fight his way out of it. End of the day, though, I... I wrote, I posted it, and I said, I tagged them. I said, take this down. This is garbage, and I think you know it. And a bunch of people on my on my feed uh, jumped in, and, and a lot of them pointed me to a uh, Gospel Coalition article about all sorts of weird stuff Bethel does, including, like, people laying on graves to, like, soak up, like, the spiritual energy of the dead person in the grave, like voodoo kind of stuff. And Weird. I had this sense of like, I don't want to know. A, I've kind of stopped trying to learn a whole bunch about churches that are doing awful things because it's not my business and it just gets me angry. And right. I, I need less of that. It's really, I get I get really arrogant and weird and, and finger pointy. And at the same time, also with that church, they do have some good, some darn good music that has come out of it. Right. A, lot, a lot of people don't like any of it. I like a number of songs. Yeah. What do you think of something like that? I mean, you've got, you've got, I think the gospel being sung in a lot of these, something like, uh, forget reckless love, something like, this is amazing grace. Uh, Phil Wickham. Yeah. It's a great song. Um, And when I sing it, I don't have a sense of like, uh uh-oh, I shouldn't be doing this because it's those guys. Right. What about you? Yeah, I, so I remember um, when, um, Oh, what was his name? Darn it. Um, he's saying, um, watch the lamb. Ribbles. Uh, yes. When he came out and, you know, he's actively living a homosexual lifestyle and there was a whole thing, you know, and a lot of people were like, oh, you know, we got to throw away all the stuff and we got to, you know. He's, Burn it. Burn. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, why? Exactly. If the truth of God's word is in there, um, to me, it doesn't matter if the person is a heretic or not. If if the truth of God's word is still working in there and working through, then it's still God's truth. It's like when um, uh, many times in Scripture, when uh, you know you would you would see the Pharisees making these these prophetic, profound statements that came from God, and Jesus would be like, "Oh yeah, that's a great statement. It came from my Father." Um, you know, like God is still working through the heretics, whether they want it or not. Um, and so to me, if there is something that, that, that is there and it's solid and we can point to it and say, man, this is the truth of God's word being proclaimed to these people in the midst of all this, then I say we celebrate that. And we, you know, to me, I would be like, let's encourage that and let's push for more of that because we do know that there is a huge following of people like this, but we also know that in the midst of, um, you know, the, the spiritual carnage, so to speak, God is still working and moving in that. And them putting out, you know, uh, great music that points to Scripture and points to the gospel, uh, I'm all for that. And I'm all for celebrating that and listening to that and, and saying, man, put out put out more. And is um, the fear that, like, people are going to hear that music look into it, go, oh, this is uh, from this particular group, and then go listen to the teaching or something? Because I don't think a lot of people do. Maybe it's happened, but mm-hmm. the people in my church, mm-hmm. they, they already, I mean, they have solid teaching. They they often will come to me and say, you know, I read this or heard you know, on a, a article. I heard this on a podcast or a YouTube video. What do you think of it? And... Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't tell them. No, no, no. Don't ever listen to those people. I say you may be wasting your time with certain people, but sure. uh, I, I would much rather they they learn to discern for themselves and not, yeah. you know, and not have to keep bringing stuff to me. So yeah, I I don't have a. I really don't. I, I used to. I don't anymore mm-hmm. have like this scorched earth. Yeah. You, know, you have to burn out the poison kind of mentality. I think about things like Paul saying. Whatever their motives for right, good or bad, right. I rejoice because Christ is 
uh, preached. I yep. think about something like Caiaphas prophesying even out of uh, the mm-hmm. wrong heart and God using it. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff, I, I think, gives me a, a pause before I say, I, I mean, what, really, what is the 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 danger of singing a song if that the lyrics of the song themselves mm-hmm. are not problematic? I, yeah. I don't have a beef with This Is Amazing Grace. I frankly don't have a beef with Reckless Love, but I'm in the yeah, small minority there. I don't either, um, quite honestly. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, though, when you first asked the question, what is their fear? I think that's the problem is that they're too afraid. People are too afraid of what will happen. And, you know, I, I think it is a genuine fear. And the fact of the matter is that is that's sin. I mean, you know, to fear what could happen when you do certain things or you say certain things, um, you know, that's a problem. You know, I remember having a conversation with um, a, a good friend of mine and I said, you know, I, I discerningly am very honest with people uh, about, about my life and my past experiences and, and, and sins that I've struggled with and uh, sins that I still struggle with, sins that God has brought me through and that um, I, I've, by God's grace, overcome. Um, and I remember one, uh, th- this particular person was like, well, aren't you afraid that like, you know, people are going to hear these things and they're going to be like, oh, well, you did it. And so it's OK. I said, no, because I'm not sharing these things in a glorious light. I'm sharing them in the sense that this is my story. This is where I was in sin this is where I was at my lowest, and this is where God brought me from. It's the difference between gloating in your past sin and being like, oh, look at me, and and being like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is where I've been absolutely broken and brought down. And so when people are afraid, like, well, you know, they're going to listen to the music, and then they're going to get involved with them and, and all this stuff. It's like, you know what? Yes, that is a very real possibility. That is something that uh, somebody could Listen, but like you said, if in the midst of that, they're also hearing the gospel and and that is truly being preached and proclaimed to them uh, on on a global scale, then I'm all for it. So. All right, man, that sounds like we've settled. uh, Let's see the disparate issues of Area 51 (laughs) Spider-Man and Bethel. (laughs) Bethel. Uh, and, and for oh, the record, man. I think the reason to uh, get rid of Ray Bolts is just because, oh, it was also corny. I don't know how many <laughs> times I heard people in church put in the like the the accompaniment track tape, and you, you'd hear like the, right. and then like the warble, like, and it would start playing the <laughs> piano for thank you for giving to the Lord. Uh, right before they were about to collect for the missionaries. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i don't um, i don't even hate that song though and and there was one called watch the lamb i remember being really good yeah um yeah i don't know what what the deal is with with ray bolts uh what where he would be now if he hadn't uh come out with that uh particular revelation about himself but i imagine mm-hmm. he'd probably be forgotten anyway yeah uh it, it's a a weird business, Christian music. Uh, yeah. I still listen to a lot of stuff from the 90s. I, I listen to a little from the 80s, but not, not Ray Bolt's 80s. <laughs> you know, yeah. Michael yeah. W. Smith, uh, White Heart, White Secret Cross. Secret Ambition. Dude, that album, Eye to Eye. Oh my gosh, amazing. We actually spent a good, we were floating around my parents' pool on the 4th of July. Me, mm-hmm. my sister, and my brother-in-law spent about an hour just talking through all of his early albums from I to I, no, from uh, the one before that with Lamu on it. Uh, the big picture. Oh, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way up through Change Your World. Um, nice. Which we thought were like some of the best Christian music albums to ever, that ever will have been. Yeah. And then I didn't, I, my, at my church, we don't sing a ton of new stuff. And uh, uh-huh. they played for me like his latest. Uh, song that's like a it's like a worship song and uh-huh. I was like oh my gosh this is just terrible 
And they're like, eh, it might have fallen. I'm like, how do you go from something like, uh, you know, hand of providence and, right. or even like, uh, uh, what's the one, um, oh, good grief. What's the one on change your world with the rap in it? Uh, I want to uh, tell the world, uh, that, or, or, or go West young man. And yeah, then wind yeah, up here, young, man, yeah. um, get back to your roots, get back to uh, leverage. Michael, if you're listening <laughs> and I know you are buddy, try to capitalize on this eighties craze right now and do a tour of all eighties hits and maybe come out with an album of songs in that vein that sound a lot like that. That's what we it's want. Not- it's time to come home, Michael. Come home. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, if you're listening, buddy, come home. Oh, man. Dude, and in that kind of same uh, era as well, Stephen Curtis Chapman, uh, his stuff, where yeah. where would you put uh, Michael W. Smith and Stephen Curtis Chapman? Are See, they kind of equal for you, no. or do you prefer one over the other? For, for me... Uh, I, I came into Stephen Curtis Chapman a little later. For me, Michael W. Smith, there is a certain kind of um, larger-than-lifeness. The first concert I ever went to at the Palace of Auburn Hills where the Pistons play played um, is uh, was Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant. Uh, she was going to lead me on, and he was doing uh, Eye to Eye. Um, yep. And I remember sitting in the back seat of the car when it was dark out and hearing, like, Ashton... And, yes. uh, and like, what's the one where there's like, you hear like the Lord's prayer, always living and learning. Like, oh know. yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it all seemed, it seemed so much bigger than life. It seemed like it, it was infused with an actual kind of spiritual power. And I, I like Stephen Chris Chapman. I think he's an amazing guy. He's lived an amazing life and he's made amazing music. But by the time we were listening to him, it was early. It was mullet years. It was like Tuesday's child and you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and Al Denson and some other stuff kind of came into the mix. Uh, they were just good singers we liked. There, I don't know. There, there was something about that that first exposure uh, at a young age, and and Michael W. Smith being in this moment where he was making music that that really, I, I feel like some of that stuff reaches through era and yeah. and, and just it just grabs you. Um, yeah, he, I, I would say Michael W. Smith and Rich Mullins are unequal oh, in my yes. mind as, oh, as artists. Yeah. Rich Mullins, amazing, amazing. Uh, did you ever get into Jeff Moore in the distance? Oh yeah. I've got every single one of their albums signed in the basement. Uh, and nice. three times in a row when they were in my town, I was the guy who got to jump at the last, uh, what was the song? It was one of those uh, from, um, Friends forever. Uh, yeah, uh, when you are weak, I will be strong. When I fall back, that one. Whatever. Uh, now it was from the life together. It, it was one of those, and, and they would pull yeah. somebody up on stage to jump off like the the platform for the drums with the last uh, strum of the guitar. And uh, the first time it was just luck. I, I worked for the radio station, so I was up in the front row. And then after that, I would say uh, to Roscoe Meek, I'd be like, "Hey." I, I got to do this last time, but can I do it again? He'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. And so so he would point me out. And then I, I started saying, like, okay, I'm trying to become the guy who's uh, had this happen the most times in a row. <laughs> those those guys were awesome. Just nice. really, really down to earth. When I worked for the radio station, I got stories galore on these guys, uh, like all this, all this era of Christian Singer. Uh, yeah. And they were some of the most, you know, they weren't like, here's our rider. This is what we demand. They were like, okay, bring us into the church basement, have a potluck for us. We will talk to everybody. They were just sweet people. That's awesome. And man, man, were they talented. And it was hokey music, sure. But then once in a while you get a song like One of My Best Days, which when I hear Mm -hmm. that, I will cry every time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you know, I love the song, The Vow, that they sing. Oh, yes. Oh, my um, gosh, that is just so good. That's yeah. that's that's Rich Mullins level right there is what yes. that is. Yes. And then the one uh that they have the Salvation Army. Oh yeah, Heart to have. God and Hand to yeah. Man. Yeah. Dude, uh, those two just always blow me away. Let me ask I you something. What, yeah. what are the odds? I know his career isn't over or anything and I hate it when people talk about people who, you know, it's a different era of Christian music and frankly, mm-hmm. no one right now in Christian music deserves Jeff Moore. Um yeah. What are the odds we could get him on the program? Dude, I, you know, if 
I wonder if uh, if we can somehow like Facebook this thing or Twitter it and you know tweet at him and see if he'd be into it. We can, and we could ask our listeners to jump on board. If yeah. you want to hear Jeff Moore of Jeff Moore in the Distance, dude, this guy just, he's lived so much of this stuff. He went through the fame machine, and as far as I can tell, was not corrupted and ruined by it. Continued yeah. making music still. I mean, I think he was at Grand Haven, Michigan, on Worship on the Waterfront. It's this, you watch the sun go down over Lake Michigan behind the the artist. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Not that many years ago, we went and saw... Uh, that I saw a, a Stephen Curtis Chapman and Jeff Moore combined concert, oh, uh, man. and they did that each would... other's songs. Oh, it was so good! Um, and that was thousands and thousands of people. But I, I have a sense that he wouldn't be too big time for us. Yeah, like yeah. he'd be, he'd be like, ah, sure. If I have time, I'm down. Yeah, well, and too, like you know, the other thing is, I've still also got contacts um, for some of the other, um, some of the other artists that we've done over. Um, over the years, uh, you know, so we could possibly see about, you know, uh, if there are any contacts through them as well. So I could reach out to some of them and be like, Hey, do you have, do you have a contact, uh, with Jeff Moore and, uh, see what they have. So, you know what uh, I want to do possibility. I want to get, get Carmen on. <laughs> I want to find out Dude. how many eons he's been alive. What it was oh, like to goodness. be a Pharaoh in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> I remember growing up listening to his stuff. Oh, man. I, if I want to annoy my wife, if I'm like low-key mad at her, but I don't want to say anything, <laughs> I'll just put on like Addicted to Jesus or Who's in the House or one of those. <laughs> one of those puffy, puffy coat, purple puffy riot. coat era. Dude. We want a riot. I kid you not. I have seven Carmen VHS tapes in my basement right now. Oh, so including awesome. this guy, the cojones on this dude, the 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 brass sand that makes no sense when I'm, I realized I was getting a little crass. Um, that to to release a movie, I have that movie. starring himself. Well, do you have part one and part two? Because he came out oh. with it in two parts on two VHS tapes, and the the movie's punctuated with videos from that album. No, I so I know what you're talking about the riot video, but no, I actually have his movie, his boxing movie. Oh, Carmen the Champion. The Champion. Yeah, I've got that too. But the yeah, yeah, yeah. riot movie, he came out the with riot, it in, in no, two parts. Yeah, so it was fifty bucks. You had to buy each one for twenty five bucks a pop. And then I got them for free when we stopped renting videos at the bookstore I worked at. I just bought them all for like two bucks a pop or whatever. Um, but but I got to tell you, it wasn't that bad, man. If we if yeah. you and I are ever in the same room, that's what we're doing. First thing, nice. I'm going to give you a hug, nice. we're going to sit down, and we're going to put in, <laughs> there's this scene where there's, because he, he moves from, uh, he's a cop, of course, he's the hero. Right, right. He moves from the inner city where there's gangs to this, like, town in Oklahoma that he remembers visiting as a kid, where it's all simple life. But yep. guess what, man, gang violence follows him there, and he's got to clean up the town. And, it's uh, like the PG version of the substitute. A hundred percent. The Tom that? Berenger's. Uh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hundred percent that he walks into this diner and these gangsters have like, and they're all like Latino, which is weird to me because he's always kind of like celebrating that culture, and then he really stereotypes them. But he comes in, and one of them is standing on the the like bar, the little bar at the front where you sit and eat, drink your milkshake, and uh, yeah, and he pulls out his nightstick knocks yeah. the guy's feet out from under him and goes, feet off the table. And the guy falls <laughs> down and like breaks his body on the... It, it's like, oh, Carmen, you're such a magnificent specimen. <laughs> this was in the era, the era where police brutality was uh, not Celebrated, really a, yeah. It was yeah, one of the... Exactly. It was an article of faith. Oh, here comes my son carrying his karate bag looking like he's just defeated... <laughs> A room full of ninjas. I better... Dude, this has been an eclectic ADD episode. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, a little bit of everything. And we didn't even get to one of the things. Oh. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a little bit by Providence we didn't get to it. But we'll, we'll see if we circle <laughs> back around. I'll leave it I'll leave it as a mystery out there. It was not we'll Carmen-related. That's the hint. Yes. Was... <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> I can make a connection, but I won't. <laughs> All right, dude. This has been great. 
we're uh, we're going to go ahead. Want to remind people? Don't forget, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, ask to join our discussion group on Facebook. It is a dope group. We have a great we have great discussions on there. Um, also, uh, throw us some love reviews on iTunes. Uh, also, uh, you can get on to Spotify. Uh, you can listen to us on Podbean and Stitcher. Um, and just throw us up some reviews. It just helps people to find us a little easier. We did. You did see that we got one more recently, correct, Zach? Yeah, and, and it's funny for a, a podcast like 165 th- or, or something uh, reviews to be like, oh, we got one, but that's us. Right. That's, that's where we stand. You know what? We need your affirmation to carry that's on. That's right. That's right. We want the love so that we can continue to love you, and then we'll <laughs> love everyone. All right. <laughs> All right, on that it, note. You guys, it was really hot that. in that car. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Even though I've been sitting in my basement for the past 40 minutes. <laughs> Take some time to come back around, though. That's right. All right, dude. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Zach, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.